0: Hey, Katie. Hi, Ben. Elections are kind of your thing, huh? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, they're everyone's thing right now, but um, yeah. They're that's my jam right now. That's
0: your jam. You want to talk about elections today? Sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. We've already done so quite a bit, but we got more to talk about. We've got more to talk about. Okay. You are listening to Linear Digressions.
1: So just to be clear, this is not an episode about politics. Yes, Um.
0: we steer away from that.
1: (laughs) Yes um but it's about uh the polls that actually are keeping track of you know the the horse race as it were and um <laughs> these are you know there's a lot of different polls out there yeah. and um lots of good aggregators that kind of pull them all in together and try to come up with um a big picture snapshot of what might be going on cuz each I'm one brief. of these polls can have its own little foibles. And so you want to potentially bring lots of them together to get a better picture um, of what's going on than any one of them would give you individually.
0: Right. And we've talked quite a bit about uh, polls in the past. We talked about um, some of the issues around how you gather the data and everything. Um, I'm curious what this topic is going to be about since we've covered it pretty extensively already.
1: This is about an article that showed up in the New York Times Upshot today. The Upshot is a part of the New York Times where they do sort of data-driven journalism.
0: And by today, you mean the date of recording, which is October twelfth. Uh, this might be quite a bit in the past, but no, oh, I'm not going right. to say
1: that. Yeah, yeah. So October twelfth. Uh, we'll have a link, as always, in um, on the website. But question that the that the Upshot set out to, to answer was actually something that I had sort of idly wondered about in the past myself, which is, so when you look at all these polls, there's, there's a lot of them, but there's only, there's only so many uh, organizations, companies, universities, whatever, that are actually running polls. And so after a while, if you watch them, you start to get used to, you know, seeing the same names come up over and over again.
0: Are we talking like 20 polls, five polls, 50 polls?
1: Oh, probably probably 20 that that you would see more than a few times. Okay. Um, but it might depend a little bit like state to state, but
0: yeah. And do these polls tend to say roughly the same thing?
1: Well, so it, that's a very interesting question. So, And it depends a little bit on what you mean by the same thing. So mm-hmm. they do not always agree on what the actual numbers are about the percentage of support but they do tend to agree on overall trends. So when people are gaining or losing ground, that tends to show up pretty um pretty universally across the board, but the exact numbers, you know, percentage support that you see for given candidates, that can actually have a much wider range. And part of the reason why that happens, well there are a lot of reasons why that can happen and they kind of all get wrapped up into what are sometimes called house effects. This is Nate Silver's word for them. Nate Silver is one of the, one of the people who really pioneered um, this field, especially in journalism. And what we mean by house effects is that certain polls tend to lean more towards Democrats or Republicans. I mean, I'm talking within the context of presidential polls.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. So you've got all these different polls and they tend to have their their leanings, which are fairly consistent. And then they also have, uh, they also report fairly consistently with each other. They track with each other in terms of like whether people are gaining ground or losing ground.
1: Yeah. So there, are, and I don't know all the house effects by heart. The people who really, really do this stuff, they know all these all these house effects. But one of the ones that I had noticed consistently is that there's a poll done by USC and the LA Times. And every time I would see an update from this poll, it seemed to be more favorable toward Donald Trump than the rest of the pack by like four or five points, which is not enough. Yeah, which especially if that shows up consistently, that's telling you that something about this poll makes it different from the other ones. And like I said, the trends would still track with all the other polls, but just final number that it would come up with would be different. And so what the UpShot did was they actually went in and got the raw data from USC and LA Times, which is actually pretty rare that USC and LA Times would would make this publicly available and my hat is off to them for for their transparency about this. So they went in and got the raw data, reverse engineered what was going on with this poll and basically tracked it down. <laughs> To this one guy in Illinois wait, like, that's responsible for the whole thing.
0: Wait, this one guy who's responsible for the poll?
1: No, not a person who's in charge of, like, writing the poll. It's one of their survey respondents.
0: Wait, wait, one of their... So, wait, so you're saying that the five percentage point difference in the poll's results were a result of this one guy being part of it? That's what I'm saying, yes. But... They have more than twenty. They have more. They're polling more than twenty people, right?
1: (laughs) They do. However, uh, there are certain demographic groups that tend to be more solidly represented by these polling panels than other groups. And one of the groups that's chronically hard to to pull through, like the methods that that these polls often use, is young people and minorities. And so there's this guy. And I don't know how they know all the details of this. I I don't actually know who he is, but he's nineteen years old. He's African American. Uh, so he lives in uh, Illinois and he is voting for Donald Trump.
0: And Oh, interesting. So <laughs> and, you're saying that mm-hmm. he because of basically small a small number of respondents in those two particular ways, he is counting he's being counted disproportionately more?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So wow. the way that this poll works is they say that young young black men are a certain percentage of the population as a whole um, it might not even be they might not even slice and dice it by race it might just be age and gender but anyway uh, it's a certain pop percentage of the population they in the sample that they have on their panel the people that they that they call to ask them who are you voting for president it is uh, disproportionately small with respect to that particular demographic group and And this happens all the time. It's not really that big of a deal. But what you have to do is you have to apply a weight to everyone who's in that group and sort of count them a little bit more heavily so that the proportions then sort of come out right, so to speak. Right, right. That makes sense. And so this guy, because he has this particular demographic profile, and especially because Donald Trump is doing quite poorly with millennials and with African-Americans Everyone who's in that group gets weighted so heavily, and that there's not very many of them in the sample that USC LA Times is using, means that every time you find one person in that group who likes Donald Trump, then they might end up actually, even though it's one person, they might be carrying something like 10% of the representation of that particular group. And oh, so. Wow. If you were to right, if you and I don't know the exact numbers here, but just as an example, if you were to actually survey a hundred millennial African American men, you might get three people who say they're voting for Donald Trump. But if you only survey ten and you get one of them, then a very reasonable thing to do and what most of these algorithms sort of do by default is then it'll say, Oh well, we surveyed ten, and we saw one who supports him, and so that's ten percent. And like blah blah blah. And now we think that Donald Trump has ten percent of the support of this group, right. and and now we've just given him support of that's uh, that's three times higher than it actually would be if we were gathering more data from this particular group. And so that is how you end up. Well, that's part of it. The other thing that they do this a little bit weird. Like normally with with most of these surveys. You're supposed to cap the weights that are assigned to each one of these groups.
0: Right. So that way you never end up with someone who's worth a 100 or a 1000 votes or something like that. They may have been worth that by a naive implementation of your algorithm. But you want to keep individuals from having such a disproportionate effect, even if you have a quite underrepresented group, and they're the, the sole person who's part of that group.
1: Yeah, the other thing about this Survey is that it's a panel survey, which means that they have a bank of—I don't know exactly how many people, let's say a few hundred, maybe a few thousand at most—and they're contacting them repeatedly over the course of the election. So, uh-huh. this guy, <laughs> he doesn't. From what I can tell, they don't necessarily end up with survey responses from him in every single iteration of the polls because, you know, sometimes he's he's busy and he misses the phone call. But but then when he shows up, it makes a measurable difference in the actual results that the polls get. And most of the time he's showing up. And so the polls as a whole are being shifted by three, four or five points.
0: Wow. So, I mean, is is there all that much to do about that, given how difficult polling is and how difficult it is to get a representative sample from all these different groups?
1: Yeah, there are a few things that I think weren't quite methodologically great about the way that this pole was constructed that made the problem worse. Like these, these will always be challenges, but the first right. is that they didn't trim their weights. So most pulling outfits would not let somebody have a weight that's over, I don't know, let's say 10. And then we'll say this guy had a weight of a hundred or 200 or something that they would, they would have cut that off. The other thing that they did was they reweighted their pole based on how people said they voted in 2012. And I don't exactly understand what they're trying to do when they do this. And this is, in fact, relatively uncommon from what I can tell. But that tended to distort it even more. Um, to, for various technical reasons, there were these two kind of weird weighting choices that they made that made the problem worse. So you can you can get your weights a little bit more under control. And then the other thing you can do is put more effort into actually having a a panel that is itself more diverse. So make sure that you have more than a few people from each of these demographic groups. If you're going to be making big extrapolations from from your panel to the population as a whole, and also just do some sanity checks, you know, make sure maybe leaving out one respondent or a small group of respondents and then rerunning the polls, making sure that things don't change too terribly much. That might've also been a good sanity check, but I don't know. So, so anyway, that, that is the mystery of the USC LA Times poll that has been solved.
0: You know, it it does kind of seem like with with all that we've talked about polling and various uh, methodologies for doing it better, it seems like uh, polling is just not a solved problem. Linear digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, so other people get to listen to this content, too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com, in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at LinDigressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.